1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: You know, Ruth has a lot at stake here for herself, but also for Naomi. And a lot of times we live in an individualistic culture who says, What's in it for me? Sometimes it's about other people. So recognize that worship, which is what obedience is, everything we say, think, and do in light of the word and the will of God, recognize that worship is embracing the role that God has ordained for you, not only for your sake, but for the sake of others. I can
0: see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life
1: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith will be taking us through a series on the providence of God, where we'll be making stops in the book of Ruth, in the Psalms, and also in the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Ruth. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, we look into your word, Father, today at Ruth, and we find that you are a God of providence, a God of care. Lord, a God of love, a God of redemption a God of surprises, and a God of blessing. Help us, Lord, not to neglect you because you never neglect us. And so help us look into your word and be changed, Father. Help me to be changed as I preach it today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Providence, it's not always that simple. That's the title of today's message. The series that we're in right now is, right, Finding Hope in Hellish Times. God in Everyday Life, and we're looking at Ruth chapter 3. Now last week we talked about providence, you know, God's providence and sovereignty truly, truly makes sure that all things in this world and in our lives as believers work together for good, even if, and particularly if you're unaware that God is at work in your life. He always is. We talked about uh, last week that there are things we just take for granted, You know, in in Hebrews where it says that he holds all things together by the power of his word, we thought about the tilt of the earth, right? If the earth tilts three three degrees in any one direction beyond what it is now, we either freeze or fry. Providence. Babies entering the birth canal. Uh, I remember talking to uh, a member of the faculty, I think it was at like, I can't remember the medical school in St. Louis, but anyway, he was explaining to me that when babies go down the birth canal, their head rotates. If they didn't rotate, they wouldn't be born. There's no reason for them to rotate. It's statistically, mathematically impossible, and you can't teach it, but yet they all do, which means babies born anywhere, even outside of hospitals, you know, we're kind of a... Different, you know, society, but around the world there are people there are people being born in fields, you know, behind buildings, uh unless uh I don't want to use the word civilized, but you know, unless privileged I don't know, that word today, but basically childbirth is doable all around the world because of providence. John Calvin spoke of providence when he rode through the streets of Geneva. Some of the buildings, the ceiling tiles, the roofing tiles would fall off and hit people and harm them. And he talked about God's providence protecting him from danger seen and unseen because he never got hit by a towel. And so it, it, all, it works itself into our lives in so many shapes and forms. But what providence does, it speaks to God's love and care and control over all things. Providence is the expression of his sovereignty, how he brings all things to pass. It's also an expression of his loving care. Providence. What is providence? Providence is the very real act of care of God for his creatures creatures, creatures down to the finest detail. And providence also has a connection to our obedience. Because... As Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage and each must play a part, and you and I are playing roles within God's unfolding drama of redemption. He's going to bring all things to pass according to his will, but we will be agents of that providence. Providence also reminds us and assures us that God, not the devil, is in the details. God is at work in the world and in our lives to will and to work his good pleasure Which means there's nothing left to chance. Which brings us to providence and obedience, right? You see this in the book of Ruth. God causing all things to work together for good. Although Ruth and Naomi face tragedy, God takes that tragedy, that trial, and and uses it for good in their lives and brings them back to Bethlehem to receive grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing. Providence is not like puppets. We're not puppets dangling from strings like marionettes. Uh, Providence is about people and how they serve God and how God cares for them. And so what we have here is that you and I, in the scheme of things, are here on purpose. God has raised us up for such a time as this. He has given us roles to play on our little corner of the stage, whether it's in the background or the foreground or center stage, and he has provided stage direction. You know, if you've ever been in a play, uh, some of us have, I have, you know, you have your lines and then you have stage direction. And then you have the director. The director provides that there are often margin notes and our margin notes, and they're not margin notes, they're more important than that, is the word of God. And our director is the spirit of God convicting us and encouraging us as we wrestle through this world. And what we have to avoid is ad-libbing. God has given us a role. He's given us his stage direction. The word of God speaks very clearly to every inch of fabric that makes up, the fab- that makes up our existence. And the question is, will we ad-lib, that's called free will or sin, or will we... Stay in character. Ruth shows us both ends of the spectrum. You have Elimelech and his sons and Naomi going from Bethlehem to Moab, and it costs them dearly. And then you have Naomi and Ruth living in the fallout of all that, and we see that choices have consequences, but God is a gracious God. Providence. There's always a linkage between providence and our obedience. Let me tell you a story about that. There was a man, he was in a hurricane and the floodwaters were coming and he said, you know, I need to get up on the roof because my house is going to wash away. But I know God will save me. He's going to intervene miraculously and it's going to be glorious. So he gets up on the roof and he's hanging on to his chimney and the waters are rising and this guy rose up in a canoe. He says, hey, hop in the canoe. He goes, I don't need a canoe. I got God and he's going to intervene miraculously so the guy paddles off the waters keep rising he can feel his house starting to sort of you know shift around and move around and kind of weave around like it's in an earthquake but it's really in a flood all of a sudden this sheriff comes up in a skiff He's got a big old Johnson you know uh, motor on the back but he goes hop in he goes nah I'm not going to hop in because God's going to intervene and he's going to intervene big so the guy takes off you know now the house is really waving and the, and, the, and the chimney's starting to crumble and he's starting to sink into the water. And as, and as he drops like a stone, his hands go up and whoosh, there's this black hawk helicopter and the guy has him by the hand and says, hop in. He goes, no, I'm not going to hop in because God's going to intervene. I know it's going to be big. And he lets go. And he sinks like a stone and he drowns. So then he's up at the pearly gates and he sees... St. Peter, and he goes, what happened? Why didn't God do something? St. Peter goes, look here. He sent a canoe, a skiff, and a Black Hawk helicopter. What were you expecting? You see, sometimes we place our expectations on God, and they're not driven by his word, and we fail to obey. And so we have our stage direction. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God in us, and all we have to do is obey. God will Orchestrate all things to work together for good, with or without our cooperation. But as an act of worship, He commands us to live lives of obedience and not ad lib. And so today, as we think and wrestle through our will and our obedience and providence, I want us to consider four aspects of God's providence and human responsibility. Obedience in the book of Ruth, I want you to look in there with me, and we're going to see. Four aspects, four facts, four four movements, if, that's, if this were a concerto, so that we can embrace our own role, the role that God has written for us in his unfolding drama of redemption, and experience the fullest measure of joy possible as we obey him. I'm going to organize the talk this way, Providence and the Plan, that's Ruth 3, 1 through 5, Providence in the proposal—that's Ruth three six through nine. Providence in the praise—that's Ruth three ten and eleven. Providence in the promise, uh, Ruth three twelve through eighteen. So let's look at the first aspect here: providence and the plan. As we become aware of God's plan, we should make plans to calibrate, to uh, coordinate our lives with His will as it expresses itself in providence. And you see this in Ruth. Uh, three one through five let's walk through this together It starts out with the word then then small word large significance why because then tells us something came before it's like when you see therefore when you see a therefore in the word of God you have to ask yourself what is the therefore therefore then then after all these events what events then after Ruth happened to stumble onto the field that just happened to be a field owned by a near redeemer, Boaz, then after Ruth meets Boaz, then after his spectacular grace towards her, then after Naomi, the mother-in-law, perceives that God is at work, she conceives a plan to line up her life and Ruth's life with God's plan. What are the chances And knowing Boaz's connection to them and knowing what God's word says about redeemers in Deuteronomy 25, Naomi conceives a plan to try to position Ruth in the center of God's will. And you'll see this develop throughout chapter three. So verse one, then, there's that word, Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Not only as her own attitude and perceptions change as she snaps out of this self pity, this funk that she's living in, she looks at Ruth and sees all that Ruth is doing and she seeks to gain rest for her because Ruth is working sun up to sundown. And the harvest is coming to an end. And you know, sooner or later, you just can't sustain this. And so she begins to sense that God is working with Boaz. She begins to see the kindnesses. It, it begins to click with her that God has not abandoned her. And she sees Ruth and she sees God and she seeks to harmonize Ruth's trajectory with what she perceives as God's trajectory. And then she, and she thinks selflessly, given all that you've done for me, how can I help you? And she asks these, that, that's the first question she asks, Right? Should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? A state of rest. She begins by asking two rhetorical questions, and that was the first one. And implicit in that is, in the idea of rest, and Sabbath rest, is implicit in that is, shouldn't I seek your well-being before God? Shouldn't we make the most of the opportunity if Yahweh is involved in all this since he is? And we watch this play out. Naomi understands at some level that she has a role to play. She embraces her role for Ruth's good and God's glory according to the principles you find in Deuteronomy 25 about the kinsman redeemer. See, Naomi's been a a God follower for a while. Uh, Ruth is a new convert, so she doesn't understand how all this works. And so she kind of takes control. And she kind of guides and shepherds her. That's why a new believer can never function by by themselves. They need the church. They need discipleship. And so she begins with a series of rhetorical questions. The second rhetorical question is this. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is at the winnowing, winnowing He is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Is not Boaz our relative? So she's trying to explain to her, there's a connection here. And, you know, he is our relative and he is, as it turns out, a near redeemer. And we've talked a little bit about that before and we'll talk more about it today. But I want you to look at all this. Uh, about Naomi, she's not acting rashly. A lot of times new believers or even mature believers try to take the law, you might say, into their own hands. Not her. She's not going to try to manipulate God. She's not going to try to do anything other than find herself and Ruth in the center of God's blessing. You're going to see her try to harmonize Ruth's path with God's actions and revealed will. You see, Providence... God is going to achieve his will. He who declares the end from the beginning is going to have his good pleasure. But God, who doesn't need our worship or even need our obedience, wants it nonetheless. And he involves us in his redemptive plan. And we need to be careful not to get ahead of him, not to fall behind him. So watch her statements. You know, she talks about. He is our kinsman redeemer, of course. He's a near relative. He's a relative. Strike while the iron is hot. You see that in verse 2. You begin to see her talk to Ruth. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Verse 3. Wash, therefore, because of this, because he's our relative and because this is where you're going to find him. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your cloak, your nice clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. Look at the next word. But. But do not make yourself known unto the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So let's get going here, but let's also show some restraint. Notice the caution that flavors and tempers, not omis, and therefore Ruth's boldness. She's saying don't interfere with the routine. There is a cultural thing that goes on at the end of a barley harvest. Don't get ahead of God also. And, And then what? Verse 4, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Verse 5, and she, Ruth, replied, all that you say I will do. And what's going on here is this. not only she's got the script, she's got the Pentateuch, she's got the Torah to guide her. She understands and all through Genesis and even in Deuteronomy, there's this idea of the kinsman redeemer, the relative who rescues you, who is like you, who redeems you when you are in over your head. It's a picture of Christ. And so she says, you know, go do these things, but I want you to watch this. And and, and when we look at this in the 21st century, we're like, go and uncover his feet. What's that all about? And now there's all kind of crazy theories, but we have the the custom even today in the Middle East, and it really means uncover his feet. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies down and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She's going to uncover his feet and lie down. Don't do anything. Just do what I tell you to do and do what he tells you to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Ruth doesn't know the Jewish customs. She doesn't know the Torah. She doesn't know the Pentateuch. And so she's smart enough. She's wise enough. She's careful enough to say to somebody older than her who's given her instructions that may seem foreign to her, all that you say, I will do. Providence, obedience, restraint, restraint, caution is what we see here. Reverence for God and his providence. You know, we live in the 21st century where nobody looks to the older person for advice anymore. All the, you know, we just look to our peers, you know, basically. It's kind of like the inmates running the asylum today. We see how that works in the culture. But what we have here is all that you tell me, I will do. And all, and he will tell you what to do. Providence will reveal itself through Boaz's actions. He's a near relative. He knows he's a redeemer. And she's going to make herself vulnerable she's going to surrender herself to him for redemption providence all that you say i will do so what do you do with this i know you're saying well what's going to happen next and maybe you've read ahead i hope you have but you'll have to wait for a moment we have a little application here what do you do with all this in the 21st century in the here and now in this culture Well, a couple of things. Know that you have a role and that role may be difficult and God is not going to wave a magic wand. It's going to require your cooperation, your submission to his will, not your desires or appetites. And know that obedience is the operating system that makes your role go. So understand that you have a role to play and that's where obedience comes in. Two, recognize that you have to embrace that role not for your own sake only, but for the sake of others. You know, Ruth has a lot at stake here for herself, but also for Naomi. And a lot of times we live in an individualistic culture who says, what's in it for me? Sometimes it's about other people. So recognize that worship which is what obedience is, everything we say, think, and do in light of the word and the will of God. Recognize that worship is embracing the role that God has ordained for you, not only for your sake, but for the sake of others. Three, realize the choices have consequences. And so choose wisely, show restraint, be careful. You have the word of God, use it. You have the people of God here all around you. Consult them. I don't mean shop until you get somebody who's stupid enough to say yes to all your crazy ideas. I'm talking about get wise counsel. And Ruth is living un- under wise counsel right now. And that will help you harmonize your plan with providence. Let's talk about aspect number two. Providence and the proposal. Again. This is not about, you know, we say providence. You know, God's got it all under control. He does. Everything is going to happen the way that he has prescribed it. He is God. He has conceived of his unfolding drama of redemption before the foundation of the world. There are no surprises for him. There's no random chance in the universe. There's no such thing as luck. But a lot of Christians get involved in the let go and let God era. You know, I'm just going to jump off the roof, and if God wants to save me, he will. It's like the guy on the roof, right, in the flood. No, God gives us stage direction. He gives us our lines, you might say. It's a metaphor. And so what we see here in Ruth 3, 6 through 7 is, and, and beyond is how all this plays out. Ruth 3, 6 through 7. So she went down to the threshing floor. Look at this, obedience, providence and obedience, and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then, then only then, right? She came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down.